Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hi, welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. Today, there's actually a few things to talk about. Whereas maybe even a couple of hours ago, I didn't think there was, I didn't think there were so many things on the agenda. Not to say there's so many things, but there's one or two more things that have been added to the list of things that I wanted to talk about today. But to begin with, I think I want to start on maybe what would be a positive note with regards to the African Super League. So kind of just want to provide an update as to what has been going on for those who, for example, let's say, haven't really kept up to speed with the tournament as such. So I'm just going to read this article, certainly go through this article published by CAF, and then I'm going to go into one or two other bits and pieces. Um, but actually, no, let me read it first. Africa's big four clubs book African Football League semi semi-final places as the competition enters thrilling final stages. I would agree. Um, I've seen some of the clips and some of the games. Some of the games actually are available via um, the CAF um, channel on YouTube. I'm not too sure if they're shown live, but they definitely have the full games as well as the highlights available to watch. So I'll definitely take a look at those if you find some time. But with that being said, in regards to even the, the YouTube clips, um, I think it's been really refreshing to see that these stadiums are full. Like I, f- I forget which game I watched, to be fair, but it looked like... It, not that it looked like it was a full capacity. It was a full capacity, but it looked like a good... 40,000, people in this in, in in the ground. So that actually filled me with some with some joy in regards to the the anticipation and wanting to watch these tournaments or this tournament. Sorry, I don't know what the comparison is. In fact, in regards to the the CAF Champions League in terms of attendance, but again, like it filled me with some joy in regards to in regards to the attendance and the willingness or the want for this tournament. But anyway, with the with the article. Um, okay, so I want to read out the bullet points. Frilling opening week sees Wadad. So I, I don't even know if I pronounce these words, these sorry, these names or these teams correctly, and that's something I should learn to do going forward. But Wadad, um, Esperance, Sundowns, and Al Hali make their AFL semis. That's one bullet. Well, the first bullet point. Um, first leg of the semi scheduled for Saturday. Um, winner takes home four million dollars. And I want to actually do a comparison and find out what the take home is for the UEFA Champions League. Um, so I'm going to do that in just a moment. And the final bullet point is all African Football League matches live on TV and, and digital platform. And I think when they say digital platform, I think they're talking about YouTube. I'm going to check the 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 winnings for the UEFA Champions League in just a moment, but I was going to go through the article. Four of Africa's most celebrated and decorated clubs have made it to the semi-final phase of the African Football League as the new tournament hots up this weekend. Reigning 11-time African champions Al-Hali of Egypt and Morocco's Wydad Athletic Club, Tunisia's Esperance de Tunis and South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns have all confirmed their place in the last four of the competition, in which the champions take home a record $4 million. The Africa, African Football League got off to a spectacular start with, four, with a four-goal thriller in a tournament opener in Tunisia, or Tanzania, sorry, between Al-Hali and host Simba SC. I saw that game. And it's gotten better and better since. I'd agree. Al Hali got better. Sorry, got the better of Simba over two legs. Esperance beat DR Congo's TP Mzebi, um, South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns. Sorry, and Mam- Mamelodi Sundown. And sorry, and Mam- and South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns were too strong for Angola's Atletico um, Petro. Ooh, Petro Petro Ah oh, Petrolo. Mm, I can't pronounce it. Petrolo is the Luanda. Yeah, Luanda. And Moroccan giant, Wydad SC, 
AC, sorry, were too strong for Nigeria's Enyimba as they broke the last ball in the semis. I have to go through that again. I'm not too sure that was written correctly. Semi-final weekend. Big four square off. North African Giants, Wydad, Esperance, face each other in the Titanic semi-final battle this weekend. The two will take to the field in the first of two legs on Sunday the 29th at the State Mohammed, the fifth sports complex in Casablanca in Morocco. The return fixture will be played at the Stade Olympique de Rades in Tunis on the, on the 1st of November. In the other semi-final clash, Mamelodi Sundowns renew what has become one of Africa's African football's biggest rivalries against Egyptian giants Al-Halim. The winners of the African Football League will receive a prize money of $4 million. The runner-up will get $3 million. The two semi-finalists will each... The two semi-finalists will get each $1.7 million, while the quarter-finalists will get $1 million. Okay, whilst we're there, Champions League winners prize money. Should be interesting. Jesus Christ. In the 2022 Champions League, winning the entire competition with a perfect group stage performance with earning maximum prize money payout of 85.14 million. It's a lot of money. Didn't know that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm assuming there are caveats to this because it says perfect group stage performance. Anyway, that's interesting. Okay, so I want to move on from there very, very quickly. There's a few things that have taken place since. Um, and I think I want to touch on no, I want to touch on this to begin with, which is in regards to Bernard Lippert. So last episode we actually spoke about Bernard Lippert and I guess some of the good work that was taking place in regards to or as to sorry the structures that have been put in place. Um, that that still remain that still remains a, an opinion of mine as to the good work that's actually taken place. Um, I'm not too sure how the general feeling is in Ghana as to some of the work he's done, or even forget that like. It's all well and good putting structures in place. I think things need to work through those structures. And if there's nothing being worked through those structures, it's very difficult to um, to grade someone's work, if that makes any sense. And, and I do, But I do think the structures that have been spoken of are good going forward for Ghanaian football. But with that being said, um, he has stood down or he has been relieved from his duties. So we're going to run through this article from the Ghana Soccer Net and then we're going to talk about it very quickly. So reports suggest that German national Bernard Lippert has stepped down from his role as the technical director of the Ghanaian Football Association. The reason for his abrupt departure has not been disclosed. Would like to know, it should be interesting. Lippert was initially appointed to the role in 2020 for a two-year period, and despite serving beyond this term, no fixed extension was announced. Um, do you know what? I, I think the two-year period is not that bad, to be fair, because I think um, you need to be able to judge people based on what they're doing. But I think based on the work that he is trying to achieve, I think it's going to need a longer period. Maybe hence why, no, not that no, no extension was announced, but maybe the reason why he served beyond this time certainly to begin with and maybe following that he has stepped down but again obviously we need to await 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 um official official reasons to why he stepped down but continuing Lippert's appointment came three years ago when he succeeded veteran Ghanaian coach Oti Akenteng um as technical director he was responsible for creating guidelines strategies and policies aimed at the training and technical development of Ghanaian coaches or coaches in Ghana well that's interesting. Um, again, it's very easy to speak from, from where I am. I do believe that. 
Um, I think there have some, but there have been some good coaches that have come out of Ghana. I wouldn't know actually how long his term was, so it's very difficult to um, talk on his work. But some of the things that I have been talking about certainly recently, or certainly in the articles, is like where are the where are the coaches, or or, or highlighting some of the coaches and talking about where we perhaps maybe need to focus our energy, or actually maybe understanding some of the environments that we currently work in, which we sometimes um don't appreciate there is some there is some beauty within it you know like you know the environment actually conduces you to maybe work harder in some respect or um your your environment molds who you are you know so i think it's important to to appreciate i guess what we have around us you know because sometimes i think we live in a world where we um we want more and we don't quite appreciate what we have um but continuing um shout out um oti akentang his duties also included providing counsel, counsel sorry, to the executive council on coaching and technical development matters while supervising national team coaches. During his tenure, questions were raised about Lippert's performance. I would like to know the things that were questioned as such. It would be interesting to know. And his resignation appears to have been met with enthusiasm by some, which should be interesting. Um, the German national's departure leaves a vacant position in the Ghana Football Association technicals leadership. Well, that's the end of the article. Now, again, we don't know obviously why he resigned, and also at the same time, we don't know why there was enthusiasm met. Um, so it's very difficult to comment on that. Um, but with the enthusiasm that's met, I would like to believe there is there is an idea or certainly a succession plan as to how we can fill that gap which has now been left by someone who, in some respect, only a couple of weeks ago, certainly by my my reckoning anyway, um, had put some good structures in place. So it should be very interesting over the coming weeks to see where we are or where the landscape is. But with that being said, um, ah, I was thinking this morning before I read this article, even saw this article, I was having a well, I was having something to eat very quickly, and I saw something which kind of said like live life, love lots, and something else at the very bottom, and it made me think of our relationship with the Ghanaian national team. And I thought to myself, actually, the relationship we have with the Ghanaian national team in some respects should be different to how others have a relationship with the Ghanaian national team. And I guess my point is in regards to expectation. And I don't want to use that word over and over again. But like, I think when you have expectation, for example, in an actual a relationship, I'm talking about between a loving relationship, sorry. Um, sometimes expectations can actually kind of like breed contempt. And I think some of the expectations we put on the Ghanaian national team sometimes can be more than what the person is, more than the person can deliver. And I guess it's weird, really. Um, I guess, I think there's quite a lot to unpack with that, actually. And let's see if I can unpack it whilst I'm thinking. Um, I just think sometimes, I think we, we have this, like, we love football. And I think our love for football, I think, um, exceeds the expectations that 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 sorry exceeds so let me let me unpack that again the love we have for Ghanaian football certainly for the Ghanaian national team um exceeds the expectations that are that that should be required for them in that we love our team yeah we love mm, it's really interesting yeah no because I think I agree with that actually and because of that we find a lot of frustrations you know, because really, I think where the team is at this moment in time, we struggled in the recent AFCONs. 
um, where we go into the AFCONs, I think, with, with low expectation. But the love we have for our national team, we want our side to go on and win the tournament. And with that being said, it's highly likely we're going to be disappointed. And I guess what I think I'm saying is I think we should reframe our love for the national team. Um, so it's a bit more a bit more healthier, actually. I had a bit more to say on this, but I'm actually kind of like sitting on my thoughts and seeing if there's anything else back there. Let me see. Is there anything else back there? Hmm, not too sure. We'll see. Maybe I'll come. I'll, maybe I'll add to that in just a moment. But I want to read this article. Maybe there's something in there that might actually trigger something else. So this article was written on the 28th. I think that's today. Let me see. What's the date today? It might be. Is it 28th today? No, it's 29th. So it was written yesterday. Pressure mounts. Oh, oh so no. Basically, off the back of the burner lip, lipid thing, I find it really interesting that um, Chris Hutton is under pressure. So this article says, pressure mounts on Ghana coach Chris Hutton ahead of the 26 World Cup qualifiers. And isn't that interesting? Because we have a lot of love, again, for our, for our, for our, um, for our national team. But the expectations, that we the expectations that we have is almost like, like, if our love and expectations were on the same level, you know, we would be lifting the World Cup every four years. But the truth is, the expectations need to be like, you know, there's an imbalance between the love and the expectations that we actually have for the national team. And I don't want to continue harping on that because maybe I'll get lost in my own words. I think it's clear enough. Um, but continuing. No, 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 continuing. No, it talks about it here. So let me talk. Or let me read, sorry. Black Stars, Chris, Black Stars coach Chris Hutton is reportedly under significant pressure, according to Henry Asante Chum, the communications director of the Ghanaian Football Association. That is not good news, by the way. The assessment follows the team's disappointing performance in international friendly matches held in October, which was the one... Oh, let me continue. During these friendlies, Chris Hutton's squad faced back-to-back -back defeats. They, lo they first lost 2-0 to Mexico at the Bank of America Stadium and then suffered a humiliating 4-0 defeat to USA at the Geodis Park in Nashville. This marked the end of Hutton's unbeaten start as the team's manager. Let me put the pause button on that. Oh, let me continue, in fact. I just saw read something else. The recent poor results have led to calls for from the football community for the Irish-born manager's removal from his position. Whoa, let's put the pause button on. So he was unbeaten until those two defeats, and following that, we want to actually call for his head. Unbelievable. Ghanaians, what are we doing? Now, while I wasn't really happy with those two defeats, I think in the previous podcast... I was talking about actually understanding where we are. Like, let's understand where we are. We've come from a place where we've struggled in the recent AFCONs. I think we, we've had some of our most um, humiliating results of all time in our history. Um, a rebuild is actually um, is, is needed. Hence, like, not even hence. Hence the, uh, the, the, um, the, the welcoming, certainly from my point of view, of the things that Bernard Lippert had put in place. You know, as to... I've even forgotten them, actually, to be fair, but you'll need to go back to the previous podcast. Or maybe I might have been slow in here. But continuing... Like, I just... I think it's... I think it's... I think this is insane. Let me continue reading this article. What does this say? Asante Chim, speaking in an interview, acknowledged the pressure Hutton is facing. Chris Hutton is equally under pressure. He's an experienced man, having been in this job all his life as a player and as a coach... For clubs, 
and he is now a national team coach. So it's not as if he does not know what is at stake and he is coaching Ghana, he told Asampa FM. Cool, I understand that. Firstly, let me go back actually. We need to understand that, um, not actually, we need to understand that the USA have been very similar to Ghana in some respect. All right, we're in a place where they, where they, where they needed to create foundations, and I think I've been doing so for a very long time. I've been speaking about the USA on this podcast a little bit in regards to where they are and where they're going, and perhaps in 2030 or 2026, I think when they hold the World Cup, they may be underdogs. I don't think they're going to win the World Cup. No, but they're going places. And in fact, sorry, we should have been going places as well. But we are in different places. Financially, yeah, financially we're in different places. Um, they have the, the luxury of being able to invest into football, or soccer as they call it, and are currently reaping the rewards. Also, let's have it right. We are in a place where we are constantly talking about how we do not... No, 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 no. Let me take that back. Let me not say that. We are constantly in a place where we're having arguments or discussions in regards to the diaspora. Now, let's look at their squad. Andrew, bring this up. USA National mm, Soccer Team. I want to see the team they played against Ghana. Please, Ghana 4-0. Lineups, perfect. Uh, Now, I don't know how many of the Ghanaian squad were the diaspora. Um, I don't know. So I'm not going to do... But that's not what I want to do. I want to look at the US and how many of them are the diaspora. Now, um, Reyna in some respect. Um, Eunice Mensah. um, Balogun. You know... Balogun, I think he was born in the US, but he's English. You know, English Nigerian. Timothy Ware, Liberian. Um, um, Gio Reyna. I, I forget his dad's name. Yeah, Gio Reyna, I forget his dad's name. Do you know? Where was he born? Gio Reyna. Let's get this out. Let's, get, let's have this right. He was born in Sunderland. Get out of here, man. Ghanaians, take this cra- take this crap that we've been we've been this argument, this nonsense, this notion that we've been we've been we've been using and harboring and, and fostering, and put that in the bin. Goodness gracious me! Let me continue with this article. Nonsense. But the, sorry, the point I think I was making is you lot don't want me to start going through the whole national team. Let me. All right, we're going to do this right now. Actually, sorry, we're doing this. I wasn't going to do it, but we are. All right, we constantly have these arguments in regards to the, the the national team and the diaspora and us being upset, so on and so forth. Balligan, Timothy Weir. I'm going to make sure... To, I know he was born there. Oh, he's born in Brooklyn. Okay, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. All right. Um, Cardoso. Eunice Mensah, we know. Come on. Alright, I might actually call it a day in a moment. I don't want to create absolutely everybody. Okay, quite a few of them are. But I guess my point being is certainly the US in recent time, they have gone on the um Serginio desk. I don't believe he was born in the US. Born in the Netherlands. You lot need to stop. Stop. Okay, cool. Alright. I guess the point I'm making is like I'm gonna say at least two thirds, well third or two thirds of this squad. Were, were not born in the States and, and are part of the, the, the diaspora. They are using it to the advantage. Very similar to some of the articles I've written in recent time as to what would Brazil do? 
What would Nigeria do? What would this... Do you know what I'm saying? Nigeria have diaspora. Very good for them. In fact, they have a great relationship with the diaspora. Whereas Ghanaians, I have no idea where this has come from. Anyway, let's move that aside and let's continue with this article. Embarrassed, man, honestly. Um, he's not new to the job. <laughs> Hutton has been with the team for a, for, for a year and over. Even though he was serving in a different different capacity, so he knows the task ahead is a tough one. And it's about time he gets things done right. Embarrassing quotes. So mind anyway, I don't think he is a, is a happy man because I'm I'm mostly with him. And when I go to him before and after games, you can tell that he is worried because every coach expects his players to put up a very good performance. And aside from the good performance, you have to win. The pressure on Chris Hutton continues to build as the Black Stars face up-and-coming challenges and World Cup qualifiers. Now, I'm embarrassed because this is our problem. We are so um, so reactionary. I, I wouldn't have thought we were favourites. I, I, you know, I would go with the humiliating. Yeah, I can understand where the humiliating comes in in regards to the game against the US. Am I surprised we lost? Absolutely not. Against, the, against Mexico? Absolutely not. We are, we are not in any state whatsoever... Um, or any place whatsoever where we should believe that we should be winning games against Mexico and also the US. We lost to... One second. Uh, we we had an embarrassing defeat not too long ago. Um, there's no need for me to find it. We had an embarrassing defeat not too long ago. I don't think we're in any place to be arrogant and believe that we should be turning up places and winning games. I really don't. And I've actually... I don't know. I had an idea. I had a, I had a train of thought as to how I wanted to go about this podcast today, but I've been actually thrown off. Yeah, I've been thrown off. I'm not happy about this. Not happy about this at all. I think in order to actually um, see long term results, I think you need to stick with things. I don't know what happened with Bernard Lippert in the ideal world. Um, again, you need to get receive feedback in regards to what happened, but in the ideal world, I would like to have seen how that played out. In regards to Chris Hutton, he's an experienced coach. Let's have it right. They've said this is in the article. He's an experienced coach. Let's see how this play out plays out, and and yeah, let's see how this plays out. We can't keep chopping and changing. We've had like four managers in the past three, four years. It's not good. It's not good at all. Anyway, I'm gonna leave it there actually because I'm getting a bit frustrated, which is not what I should be doing on a Sunday morning. Anyway, guys, take care, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.